Oh, there's no place like home for the holidays. Welcome back to Don't Slam Your Podcast. We are on the 1993 Christmas special, Babes in the Woods. And joining me today to discuss it is Chris, who has returned from When the Children Sleep. Hello, Chris. How are you? Hello, JD. I'm okay. How are you today? I'm really well, thank you. I think first things first, I should say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It's it's a glorious time of year, isn't it? First of April. <laughs> yeah, first of April. It's the day before Good Friday. It was, it's been 21 degrees and I was watching this episode in my shorts yesterday because it was so warm. So it's it's a, it's just goes to show. <laughs> it's bizarre because I'm so used to I make a ritual where I watch 2.4 children episodes around Christmas time, Christmas Eve and stuff. So it was really strange watching this when it was sunny. And yeah, like you're saying, shorts. So yeah, I pretended it was Christmas. <laughs> And do you know what? I, I mean, I'm jealous of anyone who watched for, uh, Two Point Children first time round. And I had a look at the um, the BBC Genome page, which has a listing of all the, um, the, the the schedules from going back to the radio times in yeah. And I say radio times, the radio era, nineteen twenties, yeah. right? Thing, the magazine. Yeah. And this was shown on 20th of December, 1993, at half past eight on BBC One. Then it was the nine o'clock news. Then at half past nine was Scrooged by with Bill Murray, which is one of my favourite Christmas films. Have you seen that, Scrooged? I have. It is good, isn't it? I, I love Bill Murray. He's absolutely brilliant. I do. What, what a great lineup that would be. 1993, this Christmas special. Is it the same year of British Empire season three? And, and yeah, what a great year for comedy. Well, here's, here's the list of, um, of all the uh, Christmas specials that were on that year. I'm taking a leaf out of One Foot in the podcast. Um, Tom's just released the Wisdom of the Witch episodes, reviews, and he, he did a list of all the um, Christmas specials, the comedy specials that were on that year. So I thought I'd do it as well just to um, reaffirm how good comedy was back then. That so, sounds awesome. In 1993, you had Keeping Up Appearances on the QE2. Oh, the best episode of Keep Up Appearances. Without hands down, Sea sea Fever is fantastic. It's It's amazing. It's a really wonderful episode. And then One Foot in the Algarve, which was then a So fun. Birds of a Feather in LA. Oh, yes. Yeah, I've got it, but I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. And do you know what's funny? My dad always thought, um, because we we um, recorded... um, Whoopi were all going to die, the one where the porters go to Florida, because he Love loves that one. that one. And he thought it was a Christmas special. Now, if it was a Christmas special in 93, <laughs> it would have been, it would have um, fitted in with the abroad Christmas specials that were on that year. Yeah, it would actually, yeah. And then we also had an Only Fools and Horses special and Waiting for God. So, I mean, just classics then. Yeah, an absolute jam-packed. I, I, I collect actually Radio Times, like old Radio Times. So I've got them from 93, 92 and stuff. And it's it's just interesting to look through and see all the Christmas specials on and when they were on and the little snippets, little articles. And they've got little articles on Gary Olsen and the cast and stuff and yeah. and shots. It's really good, yeah. But yeah, it just looks like such a solid lineup then. You don't seem to get that now, do you, with like in terms of comedies and stuff. There's never really that kind of solid sitcom like powerhouse at Christmas. Only Mrs. Brown's Boy is at half ten. That's it, yeah. That, and, that, one, that one show. But... And then Call the Midwife, EastEnders, Doctor Who, Corrie, Emma De- oh, Just It's just the same old every year, isn't it? Yeah. It's like a barren wasteland for sitcoms, I think. We need to, we need to sort that out. <laughs> we do need to sort it out. And what, and what amazing um, feat to, to, to um, aspire to. I think that's yes. the right phrase, feat to aspire to. Definitely, yeah. Heights to aspire to. Hi, yeah, um, hi. 
<laughs> so let's get going into it. We are on Babes in the Woods. This is 2.4 John nineteen ninety Christmas special. Hello. Is it Christmas again already? Unbelievable. Uh, series 3 Christmas is called Babes in the Wood. I don't need to tell you what that's named after. And uh, I want to start off by uh, telling you a little bit about how we made the show. And every year we had a certain amount of exterior filming. It was called filming, but we used to do it on portable video equipment. Uh, in the old, in the older days, it would have been on 16 millimeter film, but uh, uh, at this time it was on uh, non-digital tapes, I think, or possibly even digital tapes later on, and then even later on on digital discs and things. Uh, now I think they just beam it to somewhere or other on a, on a server, but uh, which is kind of worrying <laughs> if your internet's anything like mine. Um, so. We would only have a certain number, so we'd all very often in the earlier days when we had more money, because every year we seem to get less and less money to make the same show, we would all go away to somewhere like, uh, I don't know, Bournemouth or um, somewhere down on the coast or somewhere where there was less traffic and we were close to everything in a hotel and we could get out every morning and film everything that took place outside the house and everything that took place inside the house would be built in the studio at Television Centre, usually Studio 8, but occasionally uh, Studios 3 or 4. I think that's right, anyway. Uh, uh, all of which have been demolished now, except Studio 3. When we were constructing the stories for the series, we had to be aware that there was only a certain amount of time we could be outside, because uh, we had a limited amount of time to get all the shots outside. Well, I was particularly interested at the time maintaining the illusion of inside and outside joining, which, if you think about it, is sort of what the TARDIS is, in a way. I'm sure that's how it was uh, inspired. You know, what's inside and what's outside are two separate things, but apparently they're joined uh, when you walk through the door to outside or to inside. And um, so in earlier episodes, particularly things like um, when the children were asleep, Bill and Men go sort of out of the house, do something for a minute and come back in the house. Uh, and it's all a seamless join. And on the studio day, we would play into monitors the exterior bit and then we would do the interior bit that joined onto them so that they kind of seamlessly joined. And you got the illusion they were, they were really going outside somewhere or really coming in from somewhere and I worked quite hard in, in, in a lot of the earlier episodes to try and you know maintain that kind of sort of pseudo realism and so for this uh, particular uh, episode we did I think we were filming somewhere uh, around Dorset and we went to the New Forest where I think I actually I, I don't remember because we drove it's all done during the night which is of course another thing we very often had to film through the night because although you can make things light when you're outside by putting up huge lights the one thing you can't do outside is make it dark I say that but uh, in fact if you're very very rich and have a, a huge film studio you can cover a whole street with black curtains and make it night and the most famous episode of that is Gene Kelly singing Singing in the Rain, which is actually filmed during the day, but they, they covered over the set uh, and made it look like nighttime. But we, we couldn't do that. So uh, thing number one, we were filming during the night. Thing number two, we, we all drove to this sort of 
desolate area in the New Forest, where I think it literally was one of the houses where uh, the army uh, do their manoeuvres or something. So we had to be very careful where we were going because, you know, there, there may well have been unexploded shells in certain areas, just as in the story. But once again, the interior of the house was built at Television Centre, so they go inside and outside. Uh, and uh, we had a, a pretty protracted uh, night shoot um, with Richard doing all these wonderful evocative shots in the dark with, with, with smoke and lights and all sorts of stuff. So the reason I brought all this up is when Ben finally comes home and goes through the front door, we pull a switch on all this and although the door is the same door, when the camera pulls back it's not the house we're familiar with, it's like it. But it's a sort of light entertainment uh, singing set version of the house that the designer uh, had created for us. And in fact, I think she'd, um, uh, unless I'm mistaken, uh, the staircase you see instead of our usual staircase is a copy of a very famous staircase in the Miami Fountain Blue Hotel designed by Ma uh, Morris Lapidus. Maybe it's Lapidu. I never, never am quite sure how you pronounce that. Anyway, so because we'd established this sort of realistic in and out, when we came to the unrealistic in and out, uh, it's much more of a surprise and a rather nice, uh, a rather nice transition into the musical number where the realistic Ben goes into the house and finds all these people doing strange musical things and eventually sort of succumbs to it himself, and and becomes part of the musical number that we all enjoyed doing so much. And I think that's all I've got to say. So uh, here we go. Let's hear what uh, the, the people have got to say about Babes in the Wood. I think this is one of my favourite episodes of the whole series. It's just so, so funny. So funny. Yeah, it really is. And I think what I like about it um, in comparison to the previous year's special is it feels like it's kind of in tune with, the, with how 2.4 Children develops in the third series. So it's a bit more surreal now, and this is this sort of goes along in that style. Yeah, I think so. I think um, for the, for me, this special compared to Misery the year before is much stronger. I think I think it's funnier. I think the jokes are better. I think it's just kind of tonally much much more of a stronger episode. Uh, Misery is great, but I think this one definitely is raises the bar for me. I think it's fantastic. I think Misery works well in the first two series in terms of it being a bit more sort of a more sort of down to earth, but still has that surreal element yeah and quirkiness but you're right this has got um amazing production values and, and a great story and uh, the opening um is 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 very much in keeping with tradition 2.4 children episodes bill is just kind of doing her sort of task and but at christmas and that just means it's even more stressful and the yeah. way she like walks to the post box with a load of bags puts a load of cards in the post box and then her purse because she's just doing it on it's just like a conveyor belt just like going, yep, 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 yep. Yeah. Oh no. And then the postman appears and he gets it back for her. And then she finds that her coat is stuck in the door of the um of the post box. And uh, did you notice that it was very quick the way the van drives down the road? He like goes yeah, around a corner, goes into the car, and then she's about to call and it just drives off. And like, unless there's someone else in there, he jumps in, but still that's too quick. He's like lighting, isn't he? And it, it looks like, I don't know if it's the same person, but it looks like the guy out of One Foot in the Grave, season three, episode one. And it's when, it's Monday morning, we'll be fine. It's Victor's friend 
and he's, he's slagging Victor off in the pub, not realizing that he's actually speaking to Victor. Yeah. I'm sure it's him, but I'm not, I can't be 100 sure. Yeah, it's not on IMDb, is it? You no. mentioned it, and I I can't find it. It could well be. Um, it there, looks uh, like it. there was always a lot of crossovers, and you can tell. Yeah. Whether it was the casting directors or it was Andrew Marshall and David Remwick watching each other's shows, there's a lot yeah. of crossovers with the, the actors yes. they use, which is yeah. always great to see and, and pick apart. Yeah. And I found on this episode what was interesting because I watched this and um, I watched it today, obviously, on DVD, but then I watched it at Christmas time, but that was on, I think, Now TV or maybe Britbox or something when this was um, put up on there. And I found that there's kind of, there's a few scenes that are taken out on the, the Britbox version or the Now TV version. So I don't know if that was standard back then or, or what happened, but yeah, the, the DVD version is more of an uncut version. So you've got a few differences, like the, the song at the start, for example, is completely different when Bill's posting. Um, and I think that's probably down to copyright, but then later on when they're talking about Jenny being gerbil face and stuff and then Bill's going, is that G-E-R-I-R or something? Well, that bit's completely taken out of the, the now TV Britbox version. Oh, that's um, which weird. Really strange. And then towards the end, because obviously at the start, David's kind of mentioning about going to a gig and stuff and wanting to not go to the hotel with the family, but go to the gig instead. But that, that reference is cut out. So then the very end of the episode, that's not referenced again either. So there's a few things that I saw was cut out of the TV version, which was really, which was really strange. And one of my favourite jokes is when they get lost in the car and they're going north that way and that bit gets taken out and i'm thinking how can they take that bit out so i don't know i don't know why if it's kind of to fit a time limit or something because if it's a bit longer or, or what but that's a good point because usually it's the other way around the dvd version has the edits and the chris and the, the tv shows the most now weirdly yeah. this is about 33 minutes on the dvd i noticed i saw that and i think they cut it down to fit adverts didn't they but Maybe. then again the um two years before the mass is 40 minutes and that's all as far as i know i mean obviously we don't have the dvd but as far as i know it's about this it's, it's definitely longer than half an hour yeah strange yeah it's always weird how they work it because i mean there's certain, there's certain specials and certain lengths which you don't always see because i don't see i mean correct me if i'm wrong but i don't see the qe2 episode of keepable appearances um kind of shown that often and i'm not too sure because it's a kind of 50 minutes or an hour length that's a bit too i don't know maybe the wrong length for them and stuff Possibly. i'm not too sure but because of the yeah. adverts, it's a, it goes to an hour and a half. But then again, they show only equals and horses hour-long specials yeah. to death. Yeah, I want, and one foot too. Yeah, yeah. So they show that sometimes. So weird. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I don't know how these these producers, commissioner people, how their brains work. God knows. <laughs> and so you're right. The music in this um, DVD version is a little more. It's kind of like I think it's called Mrs. Claus music. That's yeah. what came up on my um, subtitles. But then in the TV version, it was a song. Um, I can't quite remember what it was now. Do you remember what it was? I can't know, but I preferred the, the DVD version, the Mrs. Claus song. I do. I do. It's, it's more Christmassy and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, I prefer that. It's kind of in keeping with the idea that Christmas is on the surface all kind of rosy and, and, and sprinkly. And then actually the reality is it's just a lot more work for everyone, including yeah. Billy already has a busy life. And when she then gets the gets out of the her coat out of the post box door she gives the postman a, a gift just like a little i have this and then he just puts yeah. it back in the letterbox and then as yeah. she goes off his, her, i think that I'm, i wonder if this was inspired by home alone when her she's kind of walking off and her the shopping full out of the bag tear through the bottom of the bag so that's what happens in home alone yes yes quite possibly yeah because obviously that had come out what three years before this yeah. special 
And that was absolutely huge. So that was definitely going to have an influence on everything, I think. 100%. And so we get to this house and David's on the phone and he mentions that they're going to a hotel. Bearing in mind the previous year, they were debating about going to a hotel. So it's clearly a a follow-on from that. Yeah, I was going to mention that, actually. I love the attention to detail um, in Marshall's writing because, like, you've you've got, like, the fact that in the previous year they talked about going to a hotel the next year. And you find that with a lot of the specials, they kind of reference what happened the year before. So it kind of gives it more of a realistic feel to it because, obviously, you get that sense that they are real people as opposed to – in a lot of shows, I think you get things where – an event will happen or something will happen in an episode and it'll never get mentioned again as if it's like, that's happened, that's done, next episode, that's done, next episode. Whereas this, they refer back to things like a lot, especially in the last episode and the millennium experience when they reference like everything that's happened yes. to them. Yeah, uh, it, that's it. Makes it. it. Makes it more real. It does. And I think as well, um, families do often... And, and, and anyone in general just think about when it comes to Christmas it's always thinking what can we do different this year or what, what how, how was last year not good what can we do different this year have you ever have you ever gone away for Christmas I have I've you know I don't think I have you know no I normally sit at home in my box of shorts eating chocolate watching Christmas specials oh but you do that every day don't you <laughs> yeah but that's just a stat that is Christmas every day in my life yeah <laughs> because no, I, I've been around like like to London um, Winter Wonderland, which was absolutely amazing. I loved that. I've, so I've done it around Christmas. Um, yeah, the Winter Wonderland in London was really, really pretty and stuff. So things around Christmas, but not actually away for Christmas. Um, but obviously the porters seem to just want to get away, don't they? <laughs> yes. And I'd love to do it. I mean, I was going to go away last year. Um, but that was the plan for about a year before. And obviously nothing happened. It all changed. Yeah. yeah. So we have um, Jenny says she might cover for David because Bill doesn't know he's using it. There's such a different world because he obviously now they'd have mobile phones. That's when he That's calls a gerbil face. Yeah, it's interesting how it would, this episode would be completely different if they were to write it or make it today because when they get lost in the, in the fog, for example, later on in the episode, you would have a sat-nav, wouldn't you? You would have Google Maps and yeah. stuff. So yeah. it's, it'd be interesting to see how they would fit that into today's today's world. <laughs> I just think it's interesting to the fact that, you know, it, it builds the... Um, the tension and the drama and the suspense of it all and, and and makes it not easy for them. And I think that's good. It's like now, it's like someone said, if Psycho was made now, Janet Lee would just look at a trip advisor for Bates Motel. Yeah. Same with it. There's certain, certain programs that were made in the, in the time that just have that magic because they were made then. Yeah. So, yeah. And so we have um, Bill appears and he gets off the phone and even more cars has arrived. And we find that the cars she's posted were 80 of them, which is, you know, my mum used to just spend days. I remember when I was younger, she was just, I mean, she knew a lot of people because my parents moved around a bit. And so she kept in touch. But seriously, she would spend days just writing cards. And I just don't. (laughs) I don't. I I used to. I think I perhaps had a couple of years when I did, but I just think... You know, what's the point? You like you, you get to the fi- the fifty sixth one, and you're writing it, and you don't you can't remember what you're writing or who you're writing it to, and you think, you know yeah. what, I'm just going to put it on Facebook or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and then when she says that she, she gets one off a couple who she hasn't seen for sixteen years, and she goes, oh, why can't they just die? You know, she's yeah. just not happy with the amount of work that she's been given, and then yeah. she's going to send them one because they sent us one because they yeah. sent them one. Um, classic in it you can everyone can relate to that you know the, the frustration of christmas cards sending it to people you don't want to send it to and stuff 
And um, I thought it was interesting, the reference to Terry and June as well with one of the cards. Yeah, one of them was just like Terry and June is, and, and Ben's like, nah, can't be. It's like nowadays they'd have like Gavin and Stacey. And like, yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. I love because 2.4 children, it does have these kind of flashes of meta now and again. And yeah. I like it when it, when it kind of self-reflects. Because there's a few episodes where they're watching TV and they go, oh, they don't repeat anything good anymore. Or yeah. should I watch that sitcom? No, they're all terrible and stuff. So they yeah. kind of... It kind of has a kind of injury, like winking at the audience, and I like that. And uh, the Terry and June moment's one of them. <laughs> I think with the fact that Terry and June is like proper, it's everything that some critics think 2.4 children is, but it's totally not. It's just very, you know, a gentle, slushy domestic comedy yeah. that does, and that I don't think does the two main actors' talents. It doesn't really do them any favours because no. they're, they're both fantastic, especially June Whitfield. And I love yeah. how Bill says she's written that. Aunt Belle's card for them, probably because she knows that she won't. She, she's just doing, she's like, oh, well, let's just pretend she's done us for one. And I'm like, why would you get yeah. it? So it's more space that, that's covered that's all around. Um, she says she can't, she gets one off someone called Trisha, but doesn't remember who she was, but she's got a, given the address, so she'll send her one anyway. Yeah, I love that mentality. She's got oh. her address, I'll send her one. What's one more on under the 80, 81 I've already written? So. Yeah. David's <laughs> wearing jeans with holes in them. Now that's come back in fashion. It has, yeah. I've got some terrible jeans with holes in, and everyone thinks they look disgusting, but I like them. So there we go. <laughs> you're, you're, you're part of the cool kids, probably. That's it, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> and David then, Jenny mentions that David's been on the phone for half an hour. And then when Bill writes the card, as you mentioned before, she's like, listen to them all. And he's like, gerbil face. And then Bill says, is that G E R or G I R? And I love when she says she shouldn't tell tales. What's happened to good old fashioned parental guilt? That's like when she catches Jenny on the phone in Secret Diary of David Poor and pretends that she's ringing up directory and cries and it's Jason on the other end. She just That's has this intuitive, <laughs> she's just able to sniff out BS so easily. You can't get one over Bill Porter ever. No, not <laughs> at all. And notice David's wear, also wearing a Motorhead t-shirt and he's saying yeah. that I and Maiden are going to the Hammersmith. Um, which she says they'll be able to hear in Suffolk. You know, Iron Maiden still going. Motorhead only broke up a couple of years ago, um, but yeah. still, still, you know, another reference that's still very relevant yeah. and continuing today. Yeah, definitely. That kind of reuniting tour, into the reunion tours and stuff, they'd be all in. So it's funny, like when they reference perhaps Spice Girls and things like that, you think, well, actually, they've sort of gone, but then come back in a way. So yeah, yeah. They, they always do if they need the money. Um, yeah. And then Ben and Christine are arguing when they walk in. And I love the way um, she's sort of arguing, going, you didn't, you bloody didn't. And she goes, hello, happy Christmas. She has that way yeah. of just switching Kim Benson from being angry to being polite and and it's it's great oh she is and when they mentioned that they go through the city center and got stuck behind a van because they lost a prisoner on the way to the old bailey which is a good hint uh, a little thing that's coming towards vital plot point there isn't it yeah and i love when when bill in her typical sort of way of of, a political way saying i don't know why you know you know i don't know why the we need private companies to let criminals escape when the government can do it cheaper that's (laughs) that's more relevant now (laughs) i think it's fair to say Definitely, 100%. <laughs> and then um, Christine is about to leave and she's under mistletoe. And I love how she's hinting at Ben and Bill smirking like she knows what, what she's trying to get at. And then there's a brilliant line when she says, you know, have you noticed what I'm under? And Ben says, four foot six. It's just a wonderful joke, a really great one. 
It's so funny. I'm, I must be blind, but when I watched it uh, a few times before, you know, the past few years, I didn't actually notice the mistletoe that she was looking at. I think it's, to me, it was like more camouflage into it. I don't know why I didn't notice it. I think I'm just blind, but it took me a while to actually realise what she was looking up to because it just blended in with the wall to me. And then I got it and I thought, oh yeah, it's a mistletoe. I get it now. It's, it's funny. <laughs> the house is always very colourful with the um, yellow and pet creamy thing. It could look like some kind of... Yeah, I'm going to say tinsel's not really... You don't get as much tinsel these days, do you? I've noticed. Oh, you There's don't, actually. Branches with lights on the end and things like that that go indoors. It's very much, that was very much kind of of its time went to that kind of tinseled, wrapped around the banister sort of thing. You don't really see that much anymore. No, you're right. It, it has changed. Uh, we're talking like old farts, aren't we? <laughs> back, yeah, yeah. In, back in our day. Back in our day, we had tinsel. <laughs> that is the most Yorkshire I've ever heard you. By the way, Chris is Yorkshire. You wouldn't be able to tell. Yorkshireman, you wouldn't be able to tell. I don't have a clue what accent I have. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he gives her a kiss and she leaves. And I love when he says, you know, don't tell my plumber's merchants. I'll get a reputation if they find out I'm kissing my mate. Uh, yeah. And I love when Rona appears and jokes that she's been with someone from the plumber's merchant and she'd heard him from outside. It's just the way that she kind of yeah. is taking the mickey. With a, with a horrible mustard suitcase as well, I noticed. I wasn't a fan of the mustard suitcase she walked in with. Like this big yeah. mustard suitcase. <laughs> probably, probably 90s... Um, fashion trend thing yeah yeah and, but yeah um, it love... not as trendy enough for, for rona that one <laughs> no uh, but she's you know she's quite um she always looks very up to date with clothes and stuff and it's just she does yeah yeah bet rings and do you know what I, I this this little section is so loads of people can relate to this the fact that it's the mother-in-law ringing and ben picks up yeah. and he tries to pass it on bill and bill's just like Mm-hmm. she's just not yeah. interested to hear and i think so many people can relate to that but even more yeah. so back to the hotel and yeah, she's just it, it you know the, bill does we don't hear what she says on the other end but the way she's like no mom i don't think so because they don't have white slave trade to arabia these days and the way ben and yeah. rona are laughing is just like they're just like i'm just mind boggled yeah, I, I didn't actually understand that joke. I don't know why. I was trying. To, I was trying to think of that. I, I don't get that joke. I don't know why. I'm quite. I'm quite blonde sometimes. <laughs> well, I think it's more just to do with the fact that she is. Um, she's probably seen. I'm not sort of generalising here when I say this. She's probably seen someone that's the hotel staff who was who can sometimes be you know from other countries and stuff. Um, and so she's probably just making really racist assumptions because. A lot oh right, I see. That's why I think I saw saw that. It it went over my head. That's what I like about two point four children. Some things go over my head, and then I discover them later, and I think, all oh, right, I understand that now. I think it's so one of those where we just have to make our own conclusion on that, and that's what I took. And the yeah. next bit, she says, and this is something I can really relate to, and um, my dad can relate to this probably. I, I can say that because my grandparents will be listening to this. They won't know what a podcast is. But the way <laughs> she's just like, no, mum, we'll be there at eight o'clock. No, eight o'clock. All right, I promise we'll be there at eight o'clock. And yeah, that's another big funny joke that that comes along later. And then when Jenny says, you know, David stuffing smelly T-shirts into her suitcase, um, she says it'll be like spending Christmas with the Manson family. Okay, I'm going to try and think of what Christmas will be like at the Manson family. It would be... Not nice. (laughs) Not nice. It would be decorations around their abandoned Western studio in Hollywood. Charlie Manson will probably be dressed up as Santa Claus. Um, they probably have an yeah. orgy in the morning, um, indoctrination ceremony in the afternoon, and murder. It doesn't seem so bad now, does it, Jenny? I don't think. No, not now you mention it all, especially the orgy. Yeah, it doesn't sound as bad after all now. <laughs> no, going to a hotel's fine. 
Um, so yeah, anyway, we're not we're not last podcast on the left. We're, we're 2.4 podcast. <laughs> and we go to the hotel and Pearl knocks on Bet's door. And and oh, I, I I just think that it's 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 a one off that we get to see Bent and Pearl together without anyone else. Lovely little two hander scene. She knocks on the door, goes, "These facilities aren't up to scratch. My chocolate shortbread size of this is the size of a smarty." Yeah. And the way she's just like uh, Bet, Liz is um, not Liz. Bet saying, you know, "I take I take a tea bag into the Chinese restaurants." It's just it's just such. I don't want to sound really set up, just such good old women talking like old old dears having a little yeah. natter. I think I think Pearl and Bet together, just the chemistry and the way they bounce with each other, it's pure chemistry magic them two together. I absolutely love them. I think they're great. And they're really, really good as well in Relaxez-Vous. I think my favourite Bet and Pearl scene is in Relaxez-Vous when they're watching TV. And talking and over they've got, it. They've got the glasses, the Apollo men stream for you in 3D. <laughs> they're just, they're just, they're really... Um... So they are funny. real women of the war, aren't they? Wartime women yeah. and been through so much. And I love when they get to the end when um, they're still making a complaint. So then Bet's like, well, you know, nobody listens. And Pearl goes, sorry, what was that? And Bet goes, pardon. It's just a, a great little timing. bit of humour. <laughs> yeah. And then when she's and Pearl says, so what time are they arriving? And then Bet goes, 7.30. And it's yeah. just like, Squinting the arms. <laughs> I can relate to that because it's like, I ever have my grandparents certain times they, they have an idea put, uh, put in their mind of when something's going to happen it's like that is when it's going to happen there's no room for any change it, it's just it, it, um, yeah I, I think it's funny because some i meet you meet older people and sometimes they are so young and very good and and, and you know bit modern but then some I think it's maybe just an age thing or whatever. They're just so yeah. self-centered. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the family are driving through the woods. Um, it's very foggy and a cow appears at the window. Um, I remembered what you said about Richard Bowden's directing style. It's very foreboding, isn't it? Yeah, foreboding. Yeah, it is. And I feel like this whole episode is like a mini horror film in a way. It's got all the tropes of a horror film. And I think that's what makes 2.4 so brilliant. Because Andrew Marshall and Richard Bowden, they're so good at subverting the sitcom form. Because you've got the cosy sitcom and then, oh, no, you're not. We're into a horror film territory here with spooky music, fog, escaped killer. It's got all the tropes of a horror horror film. And, it really uh, yeah. does. It's, uh, and it's in its way um, <laughs> when they have jingle bells on the radio and it's really, I mean, it's an, it's such a cheerfully annoying version of that song when they yeah. switch it off and yeah, they, they, they get the maps out, they get compass out, tell them to go North, no idea where it's going. And then even Ben's using his thumb to work out where they are and, and looking for signs. Oh. It's, it's brilliant. It's so funny. That's my favorite scene when, when they go in, that's two and a bit thumbs. And north's that way. And I just love, I love how useless that, that, that bit is at the end. North's that way, as if it's important to them. And they're just trying to work out where they are in thumbs. And, and um, yeah, like I say, when I watched it on Britbox on Now TV at Christmas, um, that whole scene with the maps has just been taken out completely. And I was quite gutted because I think it's such a funny scene. Um, but obviously, they have to trim things down to fit in with our schedule, I guess. Yeah, and a bit when um, David says to Jenny when she says she's cold, well, you wouldn't be cold with all that cotton wool on your chest. And then David, <laughs> and then Rona's like, why don't you put the radio on? And that's when the announcement comes on with the uh, yeah. prisoners escaped. Um, mm-hmm. And I love the way that um, Bill sort of casually just sort of goes over to the driver's door and locks it. And when knock, he knock, yeah. when Ben knocks on the door, she, it startles her. As you say, it's kind of got that horror element of, of jump scares. 
And when they find the abandoned house, it is quite spooky music. Um, Very X-Files, actually. Even though this was a year before X-Files was on the in British telly, you've got the, you know, dark fog, um, the torches through the the fog, very mystical sounding and creepy, not music. Um, It's really spooky. It's actually more spooky than a lot of horror films these days. uh, I agree. You know, uh, because the way they direct it and stuff and suspense that builds up and the unknown and it's got all those kind of traits. And I actually actually looked up the the title of Babes in the Wood because I wanted to know what actually it meant, where it was from. Yeah. Um, And apparently it's the expression that's passed into common language referring to inexperienced innocence entering unawares into any potentially dangerous or hostile situation. Yeah, and so it's it pretty much sums up the the family's um, yeah. family situation in this episode. And I yeah. love and a very good bit of a, a sort of shot is when Ben knocks on the the door and it start it opens and it's very eerie because all you see is his silhouette with the button. He goes, "Hello." It's just a really yeah. nice squeak because Ben's brilliant when he says hello to try and either sound masculine or sometimes he's just sounding scared. <laughs> yes, and then when the yeah. children are asleep, yeah. Now, an interesting um, next scene. Funny you mentioned about a horror film because Bet directly refers to a horror film that she said yeah. she, you know, when she saw a late night film about a fog once, and it was called The Fog. Have you seen The Fog? I have not seen it. No, there was a remake, weren't there, of The Fog as well? Yes, like we, an old. But we don't mention the remake. <laughs> oh, is it bad? Is it really bad? Oh the, yes, they often are, aren't they? Yeah, there's a few exceptions when it comes to horror films and good remakes. I think the Evil Dead one wasn't bad. I think, um, what was it? Halloween was a really good one. The most recent, like 2018, 2019 Halloween. Yeah. Brilliant. Can't wait for the next one. But yeah, some remakes are just absolutely terrible. Well, there's a reason you need to watch The Fog um, because I think it was, well, it's John Carpenter directed. Ah, okay. And I think it was his follow-up to Halloween. It certainly came out only a couple, two years later. Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. Oh, Janet, I didn't know that. Janet Lee's in it, not as her mother, but she's in it. Um, Deborah Hill, who co-wrote um, Halloween with John Carpenter, co-wrote The Fog. And it's a brilliant... Re- it's my dad's favourite horror film, and that's what I remember when I was younger. And it's genuinely... It came out in 1980, and it's still quite creepy. And and, and you can see the, the, the sort of, of influence it's had on the, the direction here. And, and it is a funny moment when Bette refers to it. She goes, they were... In a lighthouse, like you do, <laughs> the way she saw explains it. And out came this horrible figure. And do you know what it was? Claire Rayner. But I might have dozed off. You know, she's um, she, she uh, that is very true. That is true. Uh, what she saw explained it is what happens in the fog. Um, oh, yeah, because she actually spoils the ending a bit, doesn't she? That's no, about... it's not. It's not a full end. It's not the end. The lighthouse right. is where uh, the whole thing is based around one of the characters is a radio host who's who's stuck in a in a in the lighthouse and she's basically um announcing what all the updates um the last scene is not in the lighthouse from memory so she doesn't thankfully but it is creepy uh great film worth the watch um do you know what though i was thinking it's bet's house is very secluded isn't it yeah, I mean, because the Christmas special before in Misery, that's that's also you've got the shot from above, the aerial shot. It's kind of smoky, the wind whistling. It is all very much like a haunted house in itself, isn't it? Yeah, and I just think, imagine if um, she was watching a horror film at in her house and then there's no one around. It's a bit creepy, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think she's yeah, she, she she loves the crew, doesn't she? Bet yeah, she loves like kind of the, the dirty movies or the horror films or yeah. She's not your typical sort of sort of gran, I guess. She, you, you won't catch her watching Antiques Roadshow, for example. No, <laughs> I mean she, we all know certainly she was um, into she watched um, Tomorrow's World and that inspired her to have her husband in a, in a bloody uh, what do you call it yeah. uh, cryogenically frozen. Well, that's it. That's another one. I love the episode when she's making tea for him. I paid for him on the TV with a TV license. So Pearl finds a tobacco tin under the valve. Of the, I think it's the toilet, isn't it, the valve? I think so. Yeah. yeah, the bend or the pipes, maybe or something. Yeah. And she's you know still complaining and about you know that, and she just goes, "I blame the comprehensive system." And and again, another bit of great dialogue is when um, Bette says she was, was talking about a horror film and she says, I don't do with horror films. If Christopher Lee has been biting your neck for 85 minutes, he's not going to be distracted by a pointed stick. Not unless he's a woodwork teacher. Just like, <laughs> what? It, it, do you know what, though? Do you ever find this with certain people? Not necessarily older people, just certain people have these weird, their minds just so weird and they come out with the weirdest stuff as well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. If it's penned by Marshall, you're bound to get that kind of amazing weirdness, aren't you? <laughs> and and great observation. And, and and people are so weird. That's the thing. Yeah. And yeah, he really gets it. And it's the dreary conversation and, and stuff. Um, and the fact that Bet's clearly getting quite nervous because they're not there yet. And she you know, she's at these times, I feel the need for a cigarette. And they're sort of looking over it. So with like they're really trying to make it sound appealing. Moldy tobacco, rolled up in paper. Well, it's not bad, it's so bad for you, is it? And then they're tempted. You do say that, yeah. And so they're just kind of there, like creeping over, looking over the actual tobacco, just yeah. tempted by moldy tobacco. <laughs> Nothing, I thought, not for me, not for me, really. No, no, definitely not, especially when it's been down the toilet. No, you must yeah. be desperate to back out of a toilet, I think. Well, <laughs> just remember, you and McGregor did, went after his spliff in, to- in the toilet in train spotting. <laughs> Well, that is true, actually, yeah. <laughs> Which is actually quite ironic to what's coming later, but yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we go into the abandoned house and they decide to stay in there. Um, do you reckon this is a studio set? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, fanta- it's a fantastic set. So you get a real sense that this is kind of a haunted house, don't you? It's great. Yeah. Like the lighting, it's so dark and you've got it lit in certain corners. It's really spooky. But I don't know if it's a studio set or not. I really don't know. Because I kind of imagine, because you don't see what's on the other, when when Jenny's sat on the sofa, for example, in this abandoned house, you don't kind of see what's on the other wall. So I'm thinking that's where the audience might be. But yeah, I'm not too sure. Because the only thing that suggests that it is, I mean, I think the grainy um, four degrees three ratio, it works in this in favour for this moment, because the only yeah. hint I have that it's a studio set is one of the walls, which has a, a purple light reflected on it, looks a little bit like cardboard and not wood. Yeah, I think and if I had to kind of hazard a guess, I think it would be in a studio. Because if, we have, if it was the studio, we'd have the, um, for this episode, we'd have only the um, house, the hotel, and then the the um, the abandoned house. Yeah. That's only three sets, and that, that's manageable. Sometimes there's more. Yeah. Um, and and I love the way David's just saying it could be the legend of Hell House and um yeah. and Jenny saying, you know, there's soft rats in the in this rats in the sofa, and Dave's like, they won't mind. <laughs> yeah. David's in his element, isn't he? He loves horror, he loves gore. In, in a way, he's like it's very much like bet isn't he? Like he likes the gruesome sort of nature of life. So they I all think you can see passed down to. Well, the fact that Bill had that horrible dream in when the children are asleep, 
about yeah. Prince Philip and terrorists. It's it, it's all in the genes. These these weird weird people. They're all psychos. I, I think perhaps Ben Jenny kind of inherits more of Ben in terms of not having that psychotic nature, but then obviously Bill and David have that kind of horror sort of element to them. <laughs> yes, and then Bill opens the uh, Christmas lights that Den, that Ben brought, um, and there's a brilliantly filthy joke is when she says, "I love it, own. I love it." Yeah, she says to Rona, "You know, we need something battery powered, and what you have won't make much light." <laughs> It's such a good joke. Like, it's fantastic because they mention the Christmas lights and baubles, don't they, in the very first scene or in the first do, yeah. episode, uh, which, which again is great, like detail, detailed writing and stuff. But yeah, that, that line is fantastic. And you, get so, you can tell it gets a massive laugh from the audience as well. Yeah, they, they get it. They get it. And then the fact that it's like, oh, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> she takes it on the chin and round and she takes it on. She takes it well. <laughs> she has to take it on the chin. She gets so much kind of banter and, st- and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but she gives it, she can give it back as well. So yeah. Jenny's complaining, um, as always. Um, they find an axe, and then Jenny says, "Oh, it's a psycho's house." So it is sort of hyping this up, this whole the fog, a psycho house. You know, it really is that horrible thing. Yeah. And then Jen, and then David goes out. Sorry, Ben goes out to look for you know just to kind of go out and um, and he's following a trail, and then the flashes the light at something, and says, "Oh my god." clearly found something specific um if you're thinking first time without knowing what's coming you think the serial killers appeared or there's a dead body in a scarecrow or something yeah it's interesting because obviously i get so used to watching this episode every year at christmas and you often forget how you responded to it when you first watched it but yeah it's very much when he shines the torch he goes oh my god you kind of expect it to be someone tall or intimidated but you think it's you think it's the psycho or some kind of person or monster or something like that don't you and that's why i like it because it means that people who watch the first time god knows what they um no idea what to expect yeah so um bill offers them either after eight or orange and lemon slices (laughs) again the orange and lemon slices have come up Um, you know i think i've had orange lemon slices i'm sure they're quite tasty because just jelly sweets is it orange flavored and and lemon flavored jelly sweets yeah they're in the same same um size and look and texture of lemon and and orange and it's i thought they're very nice i don't think andrew marshall likes orange and lemon slices i might be wrong but uh, yeah i get the impression he's not a fan (laughs) yeah I, i think it's one of those where i think i said this with forest which who i did the misery podcast with it comes across a bit like Back in the back in the day, I'm talking like the 1950s, 60s, 70s. Obviously, you know things like chocolates and stuff were a treat for a lot of people, and they only got them at Christmas. Mm. But then again, there was some um, times where you just got specifically horrible stuff, but you got you know like the phrase "grandma sweets," like little little sweets. Sometimes something like a Werther original. I mean, Werther's originals are really nice, but that kind of sweet, like a grandma sweet. I get yeah. that vibe of orange and lemon slices. It's like, it's not very nice, but it was a treat and you didn't get yeah. anything else. They haven't really changed much orange and lemon slices, have they? Because I think I've seen in the shops and they look the same as they do in 2.4 children. Yes. Like 20, 30 years ago. <laughs> and so do the after eights. Um, I think I noticed the after eights as well. I yeah. mean, I love after eights only when they're in the fridge. You can get orange. I don't know if you tried the orange and mint after eights yet. And the, also the strawberry and mint flavored ones as well. They're quite nice. I'm, I'm going to, I stick to the usual, the normal flavor, to be honest. <laughs> I, I, only, be, only because 
I think they're in a nice. I never used to like them, but my mum and dad loved them. And mm. and then one year I just had one when it was in the fridge, and I love it in the fridge. I don't like it in um when it's been out. Jim yeah. Royal once put it in his tea. He just dunked it in his oh, tea. Oh no! No, I, I, I'm a I'm a dirty eater. Believe me, I'm a dirty eater. I, I will, you know, I take after my mum in dunking biscuits in the tea. <laughs> no, no, after eights cannot be. No. The chocolates, yes. Flakes, yes. Tea and mint, no, no yeah. way. Well, there is mint tea, but that's proper mint, not mint with chocolate. I tell you what, I've got, I've got to confess, I hate um, tea and I hate coffee. And my uh, my previous girlfriend, she used to have these pucker um, teas, you know. Other brands are available, of course. I'm sure they're delicious for everybody, but I don't like them. And they smell of like smelly socks, you know, when you've got different flavours and stuff. And I just, the smell, it, it just smells like literally smelly socks. And I just, oh, no, yeah. I'll stick to my uh, American sodas. And yeah. that's my thing. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I've only gone to tea in the last couple of years. I, I got into it in 2017. Um 2017 uh yeah that was when i got into it properly and um probably done my teeth favors because i don't have a lot of yellow teeth <laughs> which is what a lot of people who have my granddad used to bring me cups of tea and then i used to hide i didn't want to say that i didn't like them because i didn't want to hurt his feelings so i used to hide them in the wardrobe and then i think many years later he was clearing out his wardrobe and at the back he found like 20 different mugs of cups and stuff He's like, i wondered where these had gone <laughs> that's funny that's very so funny <laughs> And then we met Bill mentions that both Pearl and Bet will be panicking as they're not there. You know, they won't exactly be chilling out. And then we get into the and hotel. <laughs> and they really are. I love the way that the hotel room lightning has changed. Lighting has changed, turned orange. Yeah. I love the contrast because you've got where they are, the haunted house, it's dark, it's creepy. And when it switches to Bill and Bet, you've got this very chilled out, warm, sort of Christmassy kind of world. And when I see the hotel, I just want to dive into that because I just think, oh, it's just so cozy. I just want to be there with them, <laughs> chilling out. And you get that beautiful visual gag of Bet just sprawled out on the chair. <laughs> and the way, yeah. And the fact that they're, they're just so clearly, it just, it, the audience know. Yeah. instantly what's happened that what was in the vat in that tin was actually marijuana <laughs> yeah. and pearls just i think pearls reacting worse than than um bet the she just comes out with gobbledygook like saying you know she never realized how wonderful wallpaper is yeah and bet's got the munchies which is amazing the fact that she's just like <laughs> desperate to eat like short chocolate bread or she says bread short chocolate yeah. <laughs> and it's a great scene <laughs> The chair is funny, and and like oh, even when she when Pearl goes into the little tiny bot uh, fridge and says yes, it's like a little do- like a little dolly's off license, I'm like wow, that's just incredible. Little bottles, little tiny bottles. <laughs> that's a good impression. I I just love it because it's it they're actually are chilled out, um, yeah, spaced out more like. <laughs> I don't know about you as well. I love it when she goes into that little like kind of fridge and she's like, Dolly's gin. This is Teddy Winkle's Bacardi. And she names them all. I just, it just, I just picture this little opening and a little Teddy there serving them little drinks. I just, it conjures up that kind of image in the head and I love it every it's time. Like, I- yeah. It's like um, in the advert for like Rice Krispies or like um, Cocoa Pops and you've got the, the characters dancing in the cereal. That's probably what it would be like. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. Brilliant. I would love to see inside that that fridge. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's it's a wonderful um like toy story. <laughs> yes, exactly. And Bet asked whether they should check on the others. No, Pearl asked whether they should check on the others. And Bet's like, what others? Yeah. Was it 
the other way around. Bet asks Pearl. But Bet laughs. Best yeah. Best laugh. That's what made me laugh before. <laughs> and they toast to the best Christmas ever. Yeah. Which is a great, which is, as you say, the contrast in colour, but also the fact that in location, they're having a good Christmas and whereas someone else isn't. Yeah, I think the use of line and stuff really kind of really shows in these two scenes because you've got that juxtaposition of their bright red dresses and Christmassy clothes and warm lighting against, you know, Bill and Bill and everybody in that dark house. You know, it's dark. You've got a couple of bits of creepy lights. They're all wearing quite dark clothes and coats and stuff, and they're not very happy. You know, that, that contrast putting them both together just shows that kind of adds that comic effect, I think, as well. Yeah, and I, I think it's a, it's been well um, plotted because... We have such a funny moment with Bet and Pearl, and then it's quite a somber pathos moment with um, mm. in the with the with the family in the house. So Jenny's complaining about the cold, and Bill's sort of thinking that's a good thing, and it, it goes into quite an emotional monologue about how they sort of take advantage of things like having a company in a warm house at Christmas, and people don't a lot of people don't have that, um, and she then again sort of has a political view of how easy it is to lose, you know, to be homeless and yeah. fall through welfare net yeah. and you know it's quite a sentimental scene um it comes from the heart and reinforces bill's very humane and socially aware character that she's not abandoning just because it's the christmas special yeah yeah i think that's what one of the things i like about bill because she's so real and she kind of she does care a lot she's got a lot of compassion about a lot of things and you see that in the series and stuff and you know she can't kill the animal in porkies for example and yeah. she's always the voice of reason but always kind of sheds light on the reality of the situation and stuff but i think that's one of 2.4 children's strengths the fact that you've got these series that andrew marshall's daring not just to tell jokes and he can tell loads of jokes and make it funny which he does which is great and then he has these really nice somber you know, serious moments that kind of say something and I've got something to say. I think that's what makes it so three-dimensional, the show. And then the fact that David comes in and goes, I'd rather have the fire. Yes. Yeah. It, 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 he's able to cut the sort of pathos with some humour. Um, and, it, and it also puts Jenny in her place because she realises actually she's just complaining about nothing when some people really have a lot of hardships. And I love the way Belinda Lang delivers the monologue because... You know, you can see in her eyes there's there's a bit of tr- sort of uh, sort of wells up, and yeah. you can tell actually it's made a thing because in a way Christmas is so pressured for so many people. So much I think it's pressuring the commercialising of it. I yeah. also do think people pressure on themselves though, to be honest, mm. because like I think it's one of those times a year where you can make it your own thing. It's not just about doing what everyone else is doing you can make your own um kind of traditions and and approaches to it and so yeah. i think it's been you know with bill do writing all those cars you probably think look there's, there's there's much more important things going on yeah that's true and i think i think the message in that when she says about you can lose your house your job and then you can't keep your rent up and then you're homeless and the way she kind of has that monologue i think that's relevant to today you know you know because yeah. obviously in society, you know, people do struggle, you know, prices go up and everything. And uh, I think that kind of message will always be universal and, and sadly, in a way, timeless, because no matter if you watch that in 30 years time, you know, 20 years time, that message of not being able to afford stuff and, you know, in perilous situations is always going to impact somebody, I think. Definitely. And yeah, we go back to the, the a nice sort of aside and then we go back to the action. Rona thinks she can hear Ben calling out. Um and so Bill leaves, so says, lock the door behind me to Rona. 
And then it's just a great bit when David goes, and then there were three. Yeah, yeah it's going back to that kind of idea of this ho- these horror tropes that Andrew Marshall has packed into this as if it's like a mini horror film. Then there were three, you know, it's kind of making fun of like the horror genre in a way of how people always disappear and stuff. And he says, they always do in the films. And yes. uh, yeah, it's very and, much like a horror movie. And then a bit of an Agatha Christie a reference to, and then there were none, which is actually quite, ho- it's, it's thrillery because it's Agatha Christie, yeah. it's horror of element because it's very creepy story yeah so bill walked through the field with the torch and she shouts out to ben and, and she's going in the same direction as him he tells her to shouts her to go back she sees him and says you shouldn't have come and then she puts the torch up and again it's reinforcing <laughs> they found something pretty bad yeah. and they can't leave yeah it's brilliant and it's so well it's so kind of tightly plotted this because this kind of story you'd see stretched out into an hour and a half a lot of the time this kind of the same plot here you would see that in like an hour and a half full-length horror film so the fact that marshall's able to pack it all in so neatly without any plot holes i think is really really good writing 100 and the fact that um we can can go back from one scene sort of setting to another and it's always just it's just constantly on on the go yeah, that's what it's like there's never plot holes is there like, everything's so well thought through like you'll never find a plot hole in in one of andrew marshall's scripts it's it's really perfect <laughs> yeah definitely and rona reassures the kids that they'll be back um but then like jenny mentions the escaped criminal but is reassured by jet rona they're inside and then david's just like well you know the door was unlocked when we got here he could be in the house <laughs> Psychopath, an evil twisted soul lurking in the shadows, waiting to pounce. Ah, you know, he's such a dickhead, but it, it also plants the seed for something at the very end of the episode. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then Rona puts on the Christmas karaoke. I um, love this bit. And um, well, I should say Julia Hills, kudos to her. You know, we all know that they can sing because of the uh, the, the, the musical numbers they do. At the She's end got a really good voice. But she. Gives Amazing a, voice. a beautiful rendition of How of Yourself and Merry Little Christmas. I'd say Judy Garland, eat your heart out, because she is genuinely really good in, in this scene. It's very, um, really very nice. It is. Um, and it's also, because this is my favourite version of this song as well, because um, the line was changed, hang a shiny star upon the highest brown. This is until then we'll have to muddle through somehow, which I prefer because it, obviously it fits this episode more because it's more bleak. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I always prefer that version. But when you go around supermarkets and stuff, you never really hear this kind of original version. And I do think it's much better, much more strong and powerful. It works well for this moment because I think the song, from from my memory of, of reading up about it, it, it's about getting through hard times. Yeah. Um, it's not it's that it sounds like a happy song but actually when you really read into it it's not and it was written under difficult circumstances i think it was during the war so it, right. it really has that kind of um sadness to it as well yeah um so then rona eventually leaves leaving david in charge which i'm just like firstly he's the youngest but yeah. secondly of all people not to leave him in charge at all Definitely david he'll be flying the axe around the room <laughs> yes um and then as you say you know jenny's like why is he keep going out they always do in the films. <laughs> yeah. Um, and but then, but then that kind of contrast when she asks, you know, do you really think someone's handing us? Nah, that's just a story. So even Je- David has that kind of realistic brain. He's just trying to scare her. Yeah, he, he loves his sister, really, doesn't he? I think, and uh, you don't want her to be scared. So you just see him there being more human, and he's wild, up, but really, you can see she's terrified. So he thinks, you know, what? I'll tell the truth. And I love the next bit with the transition shot. Um, you don't get this in a lot of sitcom certainly not location 
shots that you're they they go on the abandoned house the exterior in the fog and the dark and then it sort of just sort of fades and it's a different position but you know it's on the same setting and it's just daytime um, the next morning clearly autumn and yeah. yeah it just feels so real and so it, I, it just it feels very um cinematic actually that transition yeah. it's not something you see on telly very much so anyway a sitcom yeah, no, definitely. I think as well, it's it's kind of interesting the fact that you've got this kind of because everything feels more scary at night. I think this episode will kind of mention as well. Everything's kind of you get that impression that the episode is trying to say that everything's more terrifying at night. And then when you do see, it's kind of you kind of relieved in this episode when it's it's you know the sun's up because you think, oh, thank God for that because I, I was actually quite scared. At least the sun's up, but everything's going to be okay, sort of thing. Yeah, and I think we all kind of feel a bit like that. It's like a spider's terrifying in in, in the dark, but in the morning if you see a big spider, it's not as scary. <laughs> no, exactly, and it it, it brings and it brings a relief because the whole point was them trying to get through to morning. Yeah, David's just awake while Jenny sort of asleep, and then he sort of says, "You know, it's an emergency." They're down to the orange and lemon slices, so he's just eaten all the after eights. <laughs> so they go looking for the others, um, and they eventually find a sign for a minefield, and then a bit further along, they see Ben, Bill, and Rona in a line apart towards a sign that says danger unexploded shells keep out so that what we realize is they've seen they found a sign towards a minefield i mean it, it, it's so um unexpected and this, it's a real left field surprise and they've been there all night they've probably had to try and they've just literally not been able to move all that it must be a horrendous feeling it's such a funny, satisfying kind of twist to the episode. I think it's, it's great because you, you don't see it coming, but it's just really, really funny. And the fact that they're all shouting over at each other, you know, and, and the kids are standing back, you just think that they just, they just look pathetic, don't they? And it's hilarious. And the fact <laughs> that the kids are the ones who are going to be um, sensible. They're the only sensible ones, actually. And as, as Dave says, they'll be indebted to them all Christmas if they... Yeah. So and it's the, interesting. Yeah. No, I was going to say it's interesting that scene because it's kind of almost like because obviously it's two point four children, but in that scene, it, it's two point four children, which is Bill and Rona who are the kids, and the point four is Ben, and it's actually <laughs> David and Jenny, which seem like the adults in that scene because they're the grown up ones. <laughs> and what a great idea David had to use his toy tractor to like yeah. follow the to like um use it <clears throat> excuse me the control to get them from one yeah. from A to B without actually exploding and then figure yeah. through the fence and it's all fine and 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 it's yeah it really they've, they've saved the day it's such a great visual gag just you can hit firstly you hear the remote control car and you see them all huddled up like running behind it and i think it's just the way they just shuffle in you know just visually just perfect i love a good visual gag <laughs> same here and they see a robin and now the robin when you see it up foot that's stock footage isn't it yeah, I'd, I'd probably say so. Yeah, I've, I never really kind of thought about it, but it does lead into one of my favourite jokes in the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, and they, 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 it flies down to this to a field, and then it just boom, it's a massive <laughs> explosion. You just think, oh god, that's such bad luck. It's so funny. I think what makes that so, what heightens the comedy of that moment is the the cheerpy, wonderful, cheerful music. Because Rona's like, ah, Christmas morning, Robin. He had this music, and you think, and it blows up. I think that sums two point four children up because it's just like it's never, it's never nice and and schmaltzy. It's always going to have a bit of bite to it. That's it. Yeah, it's it's just like one foot in the grave. Two point four children. It'll run for you. You think, ah, cozy family sitcom. Oh no, it's not. Robin just got blown up. Yeah, it's never cozy. <laughs> Animals just just suffer in those these shows. 
yeah, Andrew kills a lot of uh, animals in this program. Well, not in real life, obviously, but. <laughs> The drive home, um, they didn't go to the hotel. Now, if you paid all that money to go away, you'd go to the hotel, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, I would, yeah. yeah. I, I, think, I, I think by that point, they were so fed up to be in a minefield because they think, do you know what? I just want to get home. But yeah, I think I'd still go to the hotel. You, get, <laughs> you have no um, no one to... Um, you'd, have, you'd have no people to cook for you. You'd yeah. have... They said he had a tennis course maybe a pool. I just mm. think that'd be fantastic. That'd be a great way for Christmas. Yeah, because they never actually make it to hotels, do they? Because I know that the year after, they're like, we're going to stay home, nothing can go wrong. And it, of course, that's not the case. <laughs> I'd love to know what happens in the Channel Tunnel when they're on the way to Paris. <laughs> yeah, the mind so boggles. Ben, so, the men, so Ben walks in, last one to walk into the house, and he goes from like the location, and it's the studio, and then as he just walks in, he looks up, and you can just see his reaction as the camera expands and we see that the house has changed from the usual setting to a, <clears throat> a studio set, which the house is, is similarly decorated in this, and everything's in the same position, but it is like a Christmas card. Everything is big. The, the, the height of the set is taller. There's a giant Christmas tree, the furnishings, ev- everything just looks Christmassy and very um, grand. Yeah, I think you get that a lot, especially in the first two Christmas specials of how you juxtapose this perfect idea of Christmas to then the Porter's reality of Christmas, which is never this perfect world. And I think this is one, this is one of my favourite Christmas numbers. And the set is amazing. You know, when he walks in, I think the set, it looks absolutely incredible. You just want to dive into it. <laughs> Definitely. And and so we start, Belinda Lang's on the stop of the stairs. She starts singing, um, There's No Place Like Home for the Holidays with... Um, Bing Como <laughs> Perry Como um, and she's dressed like favorite. yeah and she's dressed like a 1940s film star um, beautiful red dress her hair's done mm-hmm. up um, and you know it, it's it, they have they've become like stars in this moment yeah. and the way yeah. Ben <laughs> looks totally bewildered when she just gives him a kiss he's just like what is going on and Jenny and David are, are dressed up like say um, the really old-fashioned children mm. like uh, jenny's got like a, a sort of skirt on that's like she looks like alice in wonderland or dorothy yeah. from the wisdom <laughs> wisdom maybe not yeah alice more alice in wonderland jenny uh, david looks more like a kind of oh is it how to describe him it's like he's got braces on he looks like an elf actually yeah he does yeah um and glasses and his hair's all all back and then they go into the kitchen and firstly the bowl that bill uses to bake my mum had um, oh wow <laughs> yeah that, and then and she's she keeps throwing in some eggs just randomly and she's dressed now like a housewife looks a bit like Lucille Ball um and so does rona rona's in a similar sort of dress and um, bills in a green one like a house housewife sort of apron and and skirt with a hat on <laughs> yeah and um i love the bit when rona puts the bowl into the oven shuts the door and then bill opens it like like a second later and you can just see the cake a giant cake it's just yeah. been pushed from behind by a crew member it's just just if it was like a second later it would have been perfectly there yeah. and, but it, it, it nevertheless is fine 
it's brilliant. They just make it look so over the top and so fake, don't they? It's like it's brilliant. It's just I think it's just it's poking fun at this kind of idyllic, perfect Christmas that we get portrayed in films and stuff, which is never really reality. You know, no. Christmas is never like that. And then I think they just kind of really play and make fun of that, and it's it's great. <laughs> and it, I think the base way to, it's technical. I think this sums up. You hear the phrase constantly, but I think this really is campus Christmas, isn't it? Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love this. Scene. I do. It's it's wonderful. And then the next bit is a really great little gag um you've got david holds up t- a, a white dog a good yeah. puppy he's an adorable little dog and then jenny's on on a ladder on the near the top of the tree and he passes on and it's and, and you can tell it's a prop but she basically puts the <laughs> it's like a, a christmas bauble a tree and puts it on a branch it's brilliant now it's- forrest who i spoke to um he says he his dad has a memory of do you remember Points of View? I think it's still going. I used to love that with Terry Wogan, yeah. People complaining. It yeah. Was great. <laughs> Apparently someone complained about this. He says he has a memory that some people oh, had written the really? letters. Do you know, if you ever watch them now, you realise that they're basically modern day... It's like an old-fashioned Twitter. People complaining, writing letters yeah, yeah. to the BBC yeah. about stuff. They yeah. were, they've always been snowflakes. There, I said it. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. I think um, Andrew Marsh is very daring in this, you know, with what he um, what he does and what he puts forward and stuff. And this is quite a dark episode, especially for Christmas. I mean, you've got the the robin blowing up, you've got puppies being hung. Um, so yeah, for for like a pre watershed family sitcom, this definitely pushes boundaries. You know, you definitely and you know it always amazes me when people view two point four children as oh you know just a family sitcom. It's not. It's much more than that. You know, you've got this the way it subverts and the way it kind of you know, completely goes into these dare, daring dark corners. It's much more than, than co. It's definitely, it's not, it's anything but cozy, I'd say. <laughs> and also like just the idea of the psychopath. Um, yeah. My family did something very similar, actually, in their Halloween special. Um, the mum, Susan Boyle, uh, Susan Boyle, sorry. Susan, <laughs> Zoe Wanamaker, um, is trying to make it like a house of horror. So she puts a, um, something on the radio, uh, voice records of something very saying there's an escape lunatic from the prison up the road. And it kind of, you remember, it's not a bad episode to be fair. And, and it's, you know, it's just, it's all obviously not, but obviously in this episode, it, it um, does transpire. But back to the, um, the, the, the campus Christmas uh, musical number, you've got <laughs> Bet and Pearl appear in similar kind of dresses. And, Although I'd probably say a, a, a very much um, ones that make uh, you know for their age, and I don't mean age appropriate. I'm not saying that people shouldn't dress how they want to, but they just look very sophisticated, very sophisticated ladies, don't they? Yeah. Though Bet has <laughs> green hair, and Pearl has like red hair, like color, you know, dyed hair, which is really funny. And then they pile the suitcases on Bet onto Ben, which is funny. I love the kind of reworking of the song as well, because obviously the I'm guessing the original version, but then Andrew Marshall's reworked of it, which is so funny yes. about uh, cues on the M1 and stuff. On the M1, they've got cones out. And the yes. way they kind of play with the tune but then change the lyrics to suit them. Is, uh, he's, I think, he, he's from Airport as well. Um, they, yeah, because yeah, the, the, the majority of the first part of the song is is the same as the Perry Como song, and then it does change. Um, yeah. And... Yeah, so up to this point, Ben has still been wearing his kind of the same clothes, his, his jacket and grey top. 
and then we sort of cut to the, the trees and everyone's giving out gifts to each other. And now he's dressed up like David, but just a kind of grown up version. You could, this is the first time they actually look like father and son because they're both wearing yeah. glasses and very similar <laughs> hairstyles. And he's very much been indoctrinated into the festive fun. Now he's just kind of got into it. And so we have a long table um, and they're all sat in, on the sides, except for Ben, he's sort of at the head of the table. They have like a big feast and everything. It looks like Hogwarts feast. It, it looks yeah. fantastic food. And um, they're all kind of going for it. And then a great bit that the camera kind of goes along the table and all the, the cutlery is empty and the, 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 yeah, everything's empty. And then um, we go to the head of the table and instead of Ben being there, he's, in, he's a skeleton with his glasses yeah. on and, and a bow tie. Yeah. And you think, well, they've eaten him. <laughs> and then suddenly he appears behind the skeleton. And as they finish the song, they look to the camera, all raise a glass, and that's the final shot. And it looks like a Christmas card, doesn't it? It does. It's brilliant, yeah. A very warm so, Christmas card. <laughs> yeah. And it's very macabre, isn't it? In this episode, you've got cannibalism, you've got animals being hung. Yes. Serial killers. Uh, when you think about it, when you put it on paper, you think, and then this is obviously... A, like half past eight at night and stuff when obviously the kids and everybody's going to sit around and watch together. So yeah. it's great how it kind of pushes boundaries and stuff. And that's why, um, one of the reasons why I love 2.4. It actually suits Scrooge going out on the same night, actually. It's very similar. Yeah. Very yeah, similar. Oh, wow. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's a, on pay, it's all obviously doesn't, go, it's, it's all suggestive ideas of cannibalism, but just like, yeah, yeah. it's all very weird. Yeah, so we that's have, it. So we have the credits and at the very end of the episode, uh, we turn we return to the abandoned house um and we see <laughs> a room which is not a room to other um to the other parts of the house but it's like probably like going to the the the, the cellar or the um basement yeah a man appears and looks around and picks up the orange lemon slices and just goes Ooh. and so clearly <laughs> the psychopath was there all along oh what a brilliant twist I just think he wanted to kind of hide. He was just scared of the oranges and lemon slices, I think. Yeah. That's why. Now, interestingly, we said that Bitbox did um, put this on their Christmas list back in December. And so this makes it the first Christmas, first ever episode 2 for Children to be on any streaming site. Now, I found some people's reaction on Twitter. Obviously, we're fans. We're on all the Facebook pages. But there was a couple of people I found who said that, you know, they hadn't watched it in years, came across it on, on Britbox this episode, and they said, Oh, we loved it. That's brilliant. Um, when's the rest going on? So clearly from this episode, people still think it works who just kind of came across it by chance, which is quite telling. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really, really good episode. And I think it's, you know, the production values, I think everything from the acting, the fact that it's funny, but then it's quite heartwarming at times and sad. The fact it's quite dark at times. I think it's got so many different ingredients going on. I think it just makes, uh, it just reminds us of how good 2.4 Children is. Um, and I think, but I'm not too, I'm not too sure they're thinking of, because obviously they only put that one episode on Britbox, didn't they, at Christmas? So I'm not too sure how they sat down and decided. I mean, for me, that's probably the best Christmas special. That's my favourite. But I don't know how they sat down and worked out, you know, choosing that over the others. I'm not sure how a logistic yeah. thing about. Someone will have had to suggest it. And my theory is, if they're going to not put any more up, they should never put the Christmas special up. It's all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Not all. It may just do a first couple of series, but really it is all or nothing, in my opinion. Um, because, yeah. you know, the fact that it has finally gone on BritBox is... Is, is, it, is, still, is it still on there now, the Christmas I special? I think it is. I think it is, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It's just it's there's just no reason for it not to be there, is there? The whole series, you know, they should have. It just makes sense to have it there. I mean, BritBox is meant to be the home for kind of, you know, retro shows and stuff. So I think it seems perverse that you've got a show that was one of the longest running sitcoms in the nineties. You know, for ninety one to ninety nine to not be there, I mean, it deserves a place there. And it's it's obviously far better and stronger than a lot of sitcoms that are already on there. Well, the thing is, a lot I can't believe that. I know it's all down to the rights of various bits of Bob music images and, and i get that for the dvd because it's um it's it's because you would like home entertainment and buying and stuff but you know there's lots of shows on britbox and stuff um i think absolutely fabulous on them there's loads of songs in that and yeah. loads of of imagery and stuff that you think well that's copyright so i can't believe everything else on there has not got something of copyright that's yeah it's hard to believe in. yeah uh, so I, <laughs> hopefully there's there's ways and means of like you know getting around it you know you, you can you can overdub things yeah it's like with this particular episode when it was put on BritBox the, the the music at the start was changed so I think if they want to they can get they can get around kind of copyright by tweaking things here and there and um, but yeah it just seems like a shame it seems like a shame obviously it's not on DVD but it's a shame it's not on streaming services because I think as a sitcom it's much stronger and more kind of three dimensional than a lot of sitcoms on there um, and it does deserve a place you know in sitcom history hundred percent. Well, that was that was Babes in the Wood. Now I have a feeling we're gonna we're gonna say the same star number. So I say if I count down from three to one, we'll say at the same time. Three, two, one, five stars. Five. Yes, yes. <laughs> perfect. Yeah, it's a cracking episode. I think it's a real strong um, special Christmas special. It's it's kind of got classic Christmas. It has that sort of watchable quality. And yeah, it's just and, it, and yeah, I like I like and then the thing is, Christmas is kind of spooky. You know, they used to have like ghost stories on at Christmas, and they've sort of revised in a couple mm-hmm. of years. And so, having a spooky Christmas episode kind of works. Yeah, it's great. So it's a really fantastic episode. It's it's got everything you want. You know, it's the full package. You've got you got somber moments, sad moments, moments you can relate to, really funny moments, dark moments. You know, it's got it's got everything in there, aren't it? You know, and it, and it's like a mini horror film with all the kind of the smoke and you know the serial killer and everything else. It's it's great. Um, but yeah, it's it's just like a mystery why you know two point four children isn't on like BritBox and stuff because I don't know how they, they decide. You know, is it people higher up execs that kind of misjudge it as something not um, but I think definitely it proves if people on Twitter shouting how good it is and um, maybe they'll listen maybe they'll get the rest on <laughs> fingers crossed well thank you Chris it's been great having you on we've got um, you on again very soon um, mm-hmm. tell us again where people can find you you can find me anywhere you like well in Sheffield for once but online you can find me on Facebook <laughs> so yeah you can just search Chris Nichols add me add me as a friend you know I'm always sharing you know sitcom stuff um, and all that kind of stuff and then on Instagram Chris C Nichols you know I'll be sharing stuff British stuff 2.4 stuff every now and again so um, so yeah thank you very much and thank you to everyone listening so that ends series three officially Merry Christmas about nine months earlier and hope you're all safe and well. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.